This is the morning brief from the Economic Times. Biopharmaceutical company Biocon found itself making headlines this week. The company's arm, Biocon Biologics, announced the acquisition of biosimilar assets of American pharmaceutical company Beatrice following which the company's shares nosedived in the stock market. Biocon's shares fell nearly 12% on the NSE on Monday, right after the announcement, as investors didn't quite lap up the company's ambitious plans. Doing this deal was to make sure that we have a commercial front-end for developed markets. Thus far, Biocon was present in emerging markets, and as you know, we already had plans in place to start building a commercial engine for developed markets for our future pi- uh, pipeline of products. But this deal actually accelerates and leapfrogs us into the commercial space in developed markets, uh, which uh, is actually a very smart way of doing it. That was Biocon's executive chairperson, Kiran Mazumdar Shah speaking about the rationale behind the deal. And while she termed it as being a smart way to expand and strengthen the company's portfolio and footprint, that didn't seem to resonate too much with investors. We have with us Biocon Biologics' deputy CEO, Shrehas Tambe, and ET's Kiran Somvanshi, along with ET Prime's Vikas Dandekar, to take us through the contours of the deal. What went wrong? and how Biocon can recover from its share price setback. Today is Friday the 4th of March. I'm your host, Dia Reiki, and you're listening to Biocon's Biosimilar Blues on The Morning Brief. Now, if you're new to pharma parlance, let me quickly get you to understand what biosimilars are. Trust me, you'll thank me later. Because if you were to play a drinking game for every time we use the word biosimilars in this episode, you'd definitely fail a breathalyzer test. Biosimilars are the new kids on the block in a sense. They're a biological product which is very similar to a biological drug and there's no big difference in terms of safety, purity and potency. Now you may say that this sounds exactly like a generic drug, but no. Biosimilars are supposed to be the cheaper versions of biological entities the way that generics are the cheaper versions of chemicals. But the difference between biosimilars and generics is that biosimilars are different in molecule size and structure and also their complexity and cost of development as well as the risks involved are much higher than that of generics. Now that we have that out of the way, I hope you've grabbed your shot glasses because we're going to dive right in and begin by asking Kiran, what led up to this decision? Biocon forayed into biosimilars over a decade ago, much before most Indian companies did. And uh, they did it in a strategic partnership with Mylan. And uh, Mylan was the front end and uh, Biocon was a manufacturing partner. Now, in this kind of arrangement, they managed to get uh, approvals for some of the key products in the developed markets. It did take longer than expected and uh, it involved regulatory delays. But Biocon today has a portfolio of around 20 biosimilars, out of which seven have been commercialized. So it has a fair set of successful uh, products out there. 
now it's biosimilars division if you see like earned revenues of 981 crore and that was 28% higher than uh, a year ago level and these are numbers for december quarter and the core margin for the business was 38% and this biosimilar division is also the biggest contributors for biocons top line growth today biosimilars are considered to be an uh, attractive growth area by many pharma companies in fact a recently published report uh, on biosimilars by cardinal health expects 2022 to be the turning point in the us as this biosimilars expand into new therapeutic areas and uh, reimbursement models also continue to evolve so now you have more insurance uh, coverage for these kind of drugs so biocons move might just be at the right time now that we have that background in place let's get to the current deal and that involves quite a few zeros that i find hard to keep up with i mean i'm having trouble processing the pharma jargon here so i thought i'd make my life easier and get kiran to take us through the fine print of the deal the deal value is 3.3 billion dollars which includes 2.3 billion dollars in cash and a 12.9% equity stake in biocon biologics to viatris and viatris also gets a board seat on on biocon biologics it is attractive for viatrist obviously and it seems to be quite sweet for viatrist in the near term for biocon of course it is getting the whole business it's getting to add its revenues its uh, ebitda it's going to be acquiring the entire regulatory supply chain and commercialization capabilities uh, in the developed markets in fact biocon's kiran mazumdar shaw call this acquisition transformational but i asked et's kiran whether she thought it really was and here's what she had to say in many ways this deal is transformational it will provide biocon the scale in its biosimilars business now viatris's global biosimilar business has an estimated revenue of 875 million dollars and these uh, revenues are estimated to exceed 1.1 billion dollars in cy or next year 23 Now when you look at this Biocon is going to get all of it on its books and uh, along with this Biocon will also get Viatris's global commercial infrastructure and rights in all its biosimilars assets so it includes all the in licensed drug portfolio and it also includes an option to acquire the company's rights in uh, biosimilar aflibercept So that's an important molecule and that is something Biocon would want to bring in to its portfolio. And Biocon intends to roll out the IPO of Biocon Biologics in another 18 to 24 months. Now this company is the subsidiary company which is getting into this acquisition. And Viatris is getting an equity stake of 12.9% in Biocon Biologics. That is currently valuing the Biocon Biologics business. at 8 billion dollars this is higher than the valuation of 5 billion dollars at which a subsidiary of serum institute picked up 15% stake in biologics last year so you can make out like from a 5 billion valuation last year this current deal is pushing up the valuation for this company at 8 billion dollars so this deal is transformational for biocon in terms of scale as well as valuations for its subsidiary Biocon has lost nearly 6000 crore of its market cap since the announcement of the deal while the Viatris stock has dropped 30% during the same period. So the natural question is why this transformational deal 
failed to impress Dalal Street and spooked analysts as well. For that, I turn to Vikas. It's important to understand how they will be funding this deal. So it's like $3.3 billion. It's a massive amount. In my view, the very fact that it will be financed $2 billion itself is going to be, it, it kind of feels like it's a very big amount. Secondly, the understanding has been that isn't it like the two companies have been developing the same products and why is Biocon paying so much to get those same products? So if you really look at the potential, I think they will be achieving a billion dollar in the next year and then they have paid 3.3 billion. So if you really simply look at the valuation, it's just about three times of what they are paying. So the revenues are there. There is a very clear growth traction. And this is probably where the market may have felt that it's taking too much of a risk to get these products on board. So I think the play generally in a biosimilars business is on future potential of molecules which are in research. And one more thing. So Typically, in a biosimilars business, uh, earlier we used to see Celtrion of Korea or Samsung Biologics uh, had taken the initial start. Then we have seen like, you know, the larger companies, Amgen, Biogen, Pfizer, they all started coming into this. So there is a little bit of a hesitation whether there will be enough opportunities for companies like Biocon uh, to make a dent in the large markets like the US or Europe or Canada. So it was not received well in the initial uh, few days. You've touched upon valuations. Uh, Could you give us an idea of what peers' valuations are like? If you look at uh, Celtrion uh, of Korea, which has been right at the forefront of uh, this biosimilars evolution, they have somewhere around 18 to 20 billion dollar in valuation. Samsung Biologics, which also does a lot of manufacturing for other biosimilar companies, uh, they have upwards of 40 billion dollar in valuation. As compared to that, I think if I have read it correctly uh, in one of the analyst reports, uh, this deal uh, is somewhere around seven or eight billion dollar in valuation. So a lot of it actually depends on what kind of a pipeline do we have, how well placed are these companies in particular product segments, and uh, what potential uh, do they have going forward into the future. So in those situations, we can't make a like-to-like comparison, but this still appears to be uh, not a very inflated valuation. Along the same vein, Kiran also had an interesting nugget of information to share. She spoke about how such large debt is not looked upon favorably in the pharma space. Most pharma companies are pretty low on debt equity and they're not very highly leveraged. So here then you have a company taking on debt. So that's generally not uh, looked as a very good thing. Uh, So that was one reason why Street frowned upon. And uh, other was valuation, of course. Like, Biocon is also paying top dollar for this business. So, a valuation of 16.5 times the estimated EBITDA of uh, Viatris compared with Viatris's own enterprise value of 6.5 times its EBITDA. So, you can see the difference. 
that biocon did pay and uh, justifiably so probably because biosimilars is an attractive market here's what shreyas tambe deputy ceo of biocon biologics had to say on the possible reasons why the disconnect happened i think one of the things that uh, that is probably different than what we've done when we are, when you are doing a transformational deal of the kind that we are into it's always possible that it requires uh, a higher leverage than you're used to and uh, in this case uh, you know we've got a deal where we've actually risk balanced it with uh, a total consideration of of 3 billion dollars being broken up into two components which is part cash and part equity and then we've got a component which is actually deferred which allows us then to to pay it over a period of time we have balanced it but i think from how an external stakeholder would look at it clearly there is a there could be a question that oh there is a, a 2 billion dollar uh, cash component which needs to be serviced and uh, how are you planning to service that and we've given clear uh, responses that there is a commitment of 800 million dollars in terms of equity and we already have debt commitments in terms of 800 million dollars so we are well funded to complete this acquisition and i think it's a matter of taking that message through and 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 getting everyone to understand that even though the initial years as we close the acquisition at the starting point we might have overall a debt which where the debt to ebitda ratio may be closer to 4 with the kind of equity infusion we are looking at we would be looking to bring this down towards 3 and with the larger ebitda base that i just talked to you about uh, previously we would be pushing that down from 3 towards 2 So I think that should give the investors that confidence. I also got Shreyas to take us through Biocon's outlook and to outline the significance of this deal. Listen in. Purely from an acquisition perspective, uh, from a financial uh, aspect, it certainly strengthens our profile financially, and it allows us the ability to make continued investments in R and D. it allows us to expand our global scale whether it is in manufacturing capacity and capability and widens our geographical reach but most importantly if you just look at the kind of portfolio that it will provide us it will be unique in the industry in terms of the products that we've already commercialized in the market it is already one of the one of the richest portfolios uh, in the industry today which is commercial but it always also will further strengthen in terms of the options that we've got to uh, also bring in another asset which is already first to file and probably also first to launch in the biosimilar ilia or or the aflibercept asset that we would be looking to evaluate in this period or signing from a financial standpoint the uh, estimates that we've got for the beatrice's biosimilars business for calendar year 23 we believe uh, will be will be generating a revenue of over 1.1 billion dollars uh, and a strong ebit of 250 million dollars which then uh, you know provides us the kind of impetus we want to to become a, a world leading player Here's an important piece of information that should be noted. Biocon Biologics is looking to hit the capital markets via an initial public offering or IPO in the next 18 to 24 months. Will this acquisition have a bearing on that? 
Let's get Vikas to weigh in on that. This is something that will unfold over uh, the next two years. Uh, there are some marquee investors, I think, including Goldman Sachs and True North, and uh, even uh, Serum Institute has invested in this Biocon Biologics. And so there is already a lot of expectations that are building when these companies have taken so much of a position in a future potential of a company. See, as I mentioned, it's a very challenging field to be in. And that's why you would probably have only seen Biocon doing so much work in the from the Indian pharma industry. There are others, of course, like Sun Pharma has taken small steps uh, to make a foray into biosimilars and so has Lupin and so has Zydus Cadilla. But right at the top of the heap is Biocon because uh, they actually started early. And it's a daunting task. Having identified something like this as a potential business, uh, they will have they will be watched very closely. To me, so far as Biocon, Biologics business is concerned, Biosimilar business is concerned, this is a huge territory to be in. Uh, a lot of uh, variables will play a big role. Like you have to have absolutely impeccable quality standards. You need to have a, a very competitive pipeline because going forward, there will be like third or fourth generation of biosimilars like a very hit product is there of Merck, which is called uh, Keytruda or uh, Pembrolizumab, uh, which is about $25 billion. Now, imagine if there is an opportunity of $25 billion, how many large companies will want to take part of that share? So it will be intensely competitive. And, uh, you know, early starters like Biocon uh, will have a significant role to play. To conclude, I asked all three of our guests what they foresee as hoops that Biocon will have to jump through in order to get past the skepticism surrounding this acquisition. Let's hear it from Shreyas first. No, I don't see any concerns at all. Uh, overall, in terms of how the, the investor community would view this or in terms of when we would look to uh, unlock value through an IPO, because it just makes a lot of sense when we've integrated this. Uh, we've One is when we've gone about doing this acquisition, it's been in a very risk-balanced way. That The debt leverage isn't in a stage where it's impossible to, to service. It's very comfortable. And we have a very strong uh, EBITDA, which is coming through immediately accretive upon closing so that we uh, can service the debt uh, very comfortably. It does not impact our plans uh, towards the IPO at all. Kiran did say that Biocon can derive some comfort in the fact that it gets transition services from Viatris. But she did say that this does not necessarily mean that integration will be smooth sailing. Biocon will get transition services from Viatris. So it's not like, you know, acquisition doesn't mean that, you know, Viatris is saying bye-bye and is not going to be there with Biocon. So there is a transition service from Viatris that is coming in. It's for two years period and it is primarily to ensure a seamless transition and uh, continued services. It comes at a cost of uh, $44 million per annum. So that should be a near-term comfort for Biocon. 
but uh, you know in any cross border transaction in any cross border deal there is always these integration issues will which will happen or which will come up that uh, any company has to take care of so it involves integrating the work culture and reporting the hierarchies uh, weeding out the duplications because there will be always two parallel uh, setups there so you will have to make it one setup uh, you will have to kind of weed out the duplicated roles uh, you will have to realign the staff in terms of their size in terms of their remuneration and uh, you also have to work on increasing the staff productivity and um, of course matlab if you have a uh, debt to service you would also want uh, increased earnings so there'll be a push on earnings there'll be push on productivity so managing all of it in a new kind of a setup thankfully for biocon it's not a completely new setup because these are the same people they have partnered with for long so that's a relief and finally we got vikas to draw up a list of challenges that biocon could face as well as what he thinks they should actively look at going forward so number 1 will be the commercial landscape uh this place will get uh, very crowded and only the big players will be able to make some kind of a lasting presence scale was important and that's why probably this was very important for biocon to do a deal number 1 biosimilars is extremely complicated in terms of the manufacturing processes biocon will have to watch and take every step very carefully so far as its manufacturing and supply chain is concerned thirdly it's a place for big pockets so how biocon actually manages to survive and grow in this vastly competitive field Uh, will have to be watched very carefully and that probably will also need a lot of investments in talent acquisition in building their capabilities and how they actually uh, do their pricing right plus one of the things that i will have to mention is that the pricing situation in the us and europe is being watched very carefully by the regulators so these will Uh, be very important for a company like biocon or any company which gets into biosimilars to watch out for as the company progresses and becomes mature it will have to keep looking at uh, opportunities in doing their own novel biologics novel biologics are the same as you know a large company launching its own innovator products and so far indian companies have not been able to make much dent there are on and off examples where a company actually did something really great and then it could not really uh, uh, take it uh, to the last stages so failures have been more because of the risks and just the complexities associated with uh, uh, research molecules so in the longer sense i would think that while biosimilars will provide the uh, essential foundations uh, for the growth of the company they will have to start looking at essentially the next generation uh, biologics i think that will also uh, reinforce the future of a, a large company like biocon biologics at, as it looks at listing in the next two years there's no denying that the biocon beatrice acquisition certainly is one of the largest in the biopharmaceutical space in india and it will be one that will be keenly watched kiran mazumdar show certainly seems bullish on the prospects of the business and vouches for the near and long term growth story that biocon offers investors but as of now 
there's no running away from the fact that investors and analysts alike have given the deal a side eye. With Biocon's IPO set to take place in about two years, it'll be interesting to see whether this incident will be written off as a knee-jerk reaction or one that was justified. Make sure to stay tuned because we'll definitely be on top of this. Thank you, Shrehas, Vikas and Kiran. I'm your host, Tia Reki, and you are listening to Biocon's Biosimilar Blues on the Morning Brief. Thank you and have a great weekend. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share it on your social media. Producers, Bhavya Dilip Kumar from ET and Swati Joshi from Avaaz. Sound editor, Varun Kapahi from Avaaz. Executive producer, Arijit Barman. All external clips used in this episode belong to their respective owners. Credits mentioned in the description. Thank you.